0: DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with Tan Books, presents Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. Dr. Thickpen is an internationally known speaker, best selling author, and award winning journalist who has published 43 books in a wide variety of genres and subjects, including The Rapture Trap, a Catholic response to end times fever, and The Manual for Spiritual Warfare, the book on which this series is based. In 2008, Dr. Thickpen was appointed by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops to their National Advisory Council. He has served the Church as a theologian, historian, apologist, evangelist, and catechist in a number of settings, speaking frequently in Catholic and secular media broadcasts and at conferences, seminars, parish missions, and scholarly gatherings. Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. I'm your host, Chris McGregor.
1: From the letter of St. James, chapter 1, 12 to 16. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been tried he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted by God, for God is no tempter to evil and he himself tempts no one. But everyone is tempted by being drawn away and enticed by his own passion. Then, when passion has conceived, it brings forth sin, but when sin is matured, it begets death. Therefore, my beloved brethren, do not err. Paul,
0: thank you so much for joining me.
2: Oh, it's great to be here, Chris. Thanks for the invitation.
0: In discussing things that are visible and invisible, we had in our previous conversation It was a hard conversation for some to hear because we talk about a frightening enemy, but he doesn't win the battle, does he?
2: No, he was decisively defeated um, in the resurrection of Christ. And uh, in some ways it's almost like a mop-up operation. You know, he he sure seems awfully strong. We talked a little bit about that last time, that that God is still allowing a, a season for his temptation to test us and but even the evil he does now, God can always bring greater good out of it, and he does. But he is, he's defeated. It's definite. It's, uh, we've read the last chapter of the book, the book of Revelation, and it's very clear that, that he has been cast down.
0: Paul, help us to understand that. If the the battle has been won, why are we still engaged in it?
2: See, we mentioned a little bit in the last, uh, last time we talked that part of what's going on is, is that God is using this season. Of uh, of the enemy still being somewhat at large, to uh, to test us in a, in a good way. That uh, the word temptation actually means testing. That when the enemy tempts us, every time he tempts us, we are put into a situation where we can make we have to make a choice, and the choice can strengthen us if we make the right choice, so that it, it develops our virtue, makes us more holy, it draws us closer to God, and it becomes part of. The way then, in which God purifies us and strengthens us and confirms us to make us ready to live with him forever in, in heaven, so despite the the enemy's uh, purposes uh, and and his purposes, by the way, he knows he's defeated too, of course, so all he's trying to do is take down as many as he can of us with us. He can't get get directly at God. Uh, he can you know spit at God, but it's not going to hurt him. hurt God, and so he figures he knows how much God loves us. He figures the best way he can get back at God, and get at God, is to go after the the creatures that he loves, or even uh, I think about. Remember, after the overthrow of uh, of Saddam Hussein in Iraq, one of the first things that people did was to pull down this great image of him, and to destroy the statue of him. It's kind of an ancient thing. You see, it in ancient accounts too, that that when people want to show their their anger or the hatred of of someone that they can't really hurt because he's the ruler or whatever. Then they go after his image. And the the ancient fathers of the church said, well, it's a similar thing with the devil. We were made in the image of God, and so he hates us because he hates God. And he will still try to get at us. But then St. Augustine says, like an artist, God makes use even of the devil. So he will allow the devil to, uh, to tempt us, to test us. But if we respond the right way, then the devil just becomes a tool in his hand because we become strengthened. We become more like God, and the devil himself loses. Um. I mean, it's, that sounds a little smug, and I don't mean for it to be that there's still a mystery of iniquity, as the scripture calls it. Um, it's the same question, why would God allow human beings still to hurt each other when he could stop all that right away? But the the main reason being what St. Augustine said, that God allows evil because even out of the greatest of evils, he can bring a good that is even greater than the evil. And so that in the final balance of things, the good is always greater.
0: When we look at this particular battle that we're being assailed with, the number one thing that will be thrown at us more often than not is that area of temptation, isn't it?
2: It is. That's I mean, that's what has traditionally been called the, the ordinary activity of the devil. For most folks, um, he's not going to show his hand <laughs> real clearly. I don't know if you've ever read anything by C.S. Lewis. He's one of my favorite writers, so helped me to become a Christian years ago. In the in screw tape letters, where he has a senior devil, it's a fiction book. Is advising a junior devil, and he talks about how you know don't unless if you don't have to, don't go to the big things because you might show your hand too easily. And then he says, "Oh, look, the devil's coming after me." Instead, you do the little things, you know. That that the, the path that leads downward, if it just goes very gradually, with only a little slope, it still leads to the same place. But if it's got some sudden turn or fall off, then the person taking the path is going to say, "Whoa." You know, and be alerted to what's going on. So, for most of us, the ordinary activity of the devil is is very subtle. It's very subtle. It's to tempt us. It's to point to something that in it usually that in itself is good, that we want. That it's you know, it's not a wrong thing to want. And then he'll say, and now here's the way to get it. And the way he points out to get it is is the wrong way. It's usually some kind of shortcut that's uh, that's illegitimate, that's illicit. And so. That's what happens with most of us, and because he can speak directly to our minds, he doesn't have to speak by way of a, a physical body that he has, and he, he, can, he bypasses our physical body. The thoughts he puts in our minds sound like our own thoughts, which makes them even more dangerous then. But he you know, he can do it in so many ways. There are different kinds of temptation, and he may tempt us to doubt God. That's a common one. He may tempt us by accusing us, making us feel worthless, or that, um, that our sins are going to lead us to damnation rather than... God's forgiveness back to salvation, he will try to deceive us, he will try to provoke us to anger or to those kinds of things, Uh, he will try to seduce us by offering things very desirable but trying to get us to, to find those, to go after those things in illegitimate ways. So the temptation, it's very varied, it's very subtle. And for most of us, you know, if he made something go flying across the room, <laughs> you know, like, like you see in an exorcism picture or something, right away we'd say, oh, no, we go to our knees and start praying for God's protection and stuff. But for most of us, no, nah, he's going to do it much more subtly than that. He's going to put a little thought in your mind, your wife really hates you, <laughs> or put a little thought in your mind, you know, I think your sister's jealous of you, <laughs> or whatever, and that's how he's going to do it it's a much more subtle way. It's a very, it's a stealth strategy is what it is.
1: From the teachings of St. Francis de Sales as found in the manual for spiritual warfare. We must resist great temptations with unconquerable courage and our victories over such temptations will be most valuable. Even so, On the whole, we probably gain more by resisting the lesser temptations that continually assault us. The greater temptations are more powerful, but the number of little temptations is so much more considerable that a victory over them is just as important as a victory over the ones that are greater but rarer. No doubt wolves and bears are more dangerous than biting flies, but they don't as frequently cause us annoyance and irritation so they don't try our patience in the way that flies do it's easy to abstain from murder but it's difficult to avoid the angry outbursts that are so often aroused within us it's easy to avoid adultery but it's not so easy to be holy and constantly pure in words looks thoughts and deeds it's easy not to steal what belongs to someone else difficult not to covet it easy not to bear false witness in court difficult to be perfectly truthful in everyday conversation easy to refrain from getting drunk difficult to be self-controlled in what we eat and drink easy not to desire someone's death difficult never to desire anything contrary to his interests easy to avoid open defamation of someone's character difficult to avoid all inward contempt of others in short these lesser temptations to anger suspicion Jealousy, envy, frivolity, vanity, foolishness, deception, artificiality, impure thoughts are a perpetual trial even to those who are most devout and resolute. So we must carefully and diligently prepare for this warfare. But be assured that every victory won over these little foes is like a precious stone in the crown of glory that God prepares for us in heaven.
0: I r- recalling being exhorted to watch what you place in your mind as far as images.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Be careful of what you see and you place there because or what you've heard. That's why when we, what we see on a television screen or what you see in a magazine or on the internet, these pop-ups assault us. Those kind of images that get into our head those same voices can flame them up like an amplifier tuner. That's why it's so important to guard what you see, hear, and gauge in.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the, the ancients talked about the, the senses as kind of the doorways into the mind, the eyes and the ears and the other things. St. Augustine talked a lot about of our, our imagination. The ability to to have an image in our mind of something, image either visual or, or audio, and um, and how do those things get fit? They they start out through our senses, and so we've uh, we've got these little doorways that right into our head. That's one reason, you know, I think one reason why all the senses, even touch, considering that you've got skin on your face, that they're all right there next to your brain, <laughs> should should remind us that that's what they are. They are um, entrance ways to to our brains to our minds, and. Um, and once it's in there, you know he'll he'll find ways to manipulate it. He'll find ways to to bring it back to our memory, um, a word or or image out there. He'll you know direct our attention to an image that that prompts the memory in our mind of something we've already seen, perhaps in a TV show or something. He's very good. The enemy's very good at doing that. So he's had thousands of years to hone this skill. <laughs>
0: We'll return to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas...
1: The Memorari. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known
0: that anyone who fled to Thy protection, implored Thy help, or sought Thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to Thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To Thee do I come, before Thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in Thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen.
1: Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world— listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today.
0: We now return to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. Just as an example, I mean, one of the means of this tempting is through deception. Mm-hmm as you help us to recall in the Manual of Spiritual Warfare, that the devil, of course, he's the father of all lies. And so even something we think we saw or we know or we really believe we saw this or a memory that we think we had, he can get in there and twist a lie around it. That's why it's so careful for us to act out in virtue, with in prudence and in wisdom and humility those become a remedy, don't they, Paul?
2: They do. They, they protect you from falling you know, in the first place often, or at least make you resistant to the temptation. So I, here's, a, here's a great example. I just love it. The Desert Fathers and Mothers talked a lot about the virtue of humility and how it's the ground in which all the other virtues grow. It's the soil in which all the other virtues grow. And um, very important for them. And they, they used to tell, <clears throat> excuse me, a story in that regard. About how there was a, a monk in his cell praying. He was a very humble man. He had developed that virtue, and all of a sudden, an angel comes to him who's a demonic, a fallen angel, and but appears as a beautiful angel of light, and appears in his cell and says, "Oh, thou great man, you know, I've, I'm not getting the words exactly right, but uh, I've I've come with a great message to you from heaven, you know, you you mighty wise man, you," and he, without even looking up from his prayer, he just says. You've got to have the wrong cell. You must be the guy next door going down. You know? His humility was such that there was no power in the temptation <laughs> because he, he knew what kind of man he was. And, and there was no way he was going to be tempted to think that this could possibly be the truth. And the demon kind of says, curse of this world again you know, <laughs> and leaves. Um, it's a beautiful example of that. Or um, the, the enemy can take things that have come into our mind and put a misinterpretation on them. So, oh, I can think, you know, recently of a situation where, you know, someone said to me that they they were in a group, it was in a church event, and and they had spoken to someone, and the person kind of spoke briefly and went went on. And it's as if the enemy came and said, okay, you know, she didn't have the time of day for you. She was sliding you. She was whatever. She must not think much of you, <laughs> you know. And that's not what happened at all. The other, the other person just turned out was a, you know, and, and until the, the person I was talking to got to talk to her, then she found out that's why she had been so, what seemed like Kurt, but it wasn't. But that's how the enemy was doing. It. He was saying, you know, she's, he was trying to make a division there in the church. She was not paying attention to you. She doesn't think anything of you. That's why she had so little time for you. All you have is the memory of her being almost abrupt, you know, quick and moving on, but the devil puts his own, construction on it, a misconstruction, to try to make you angry at that person, um, to try to corrode your relationship with that person. And that's just one little example of so many things he can do.
0: The accuser.
2: Yes, that's exactly.
0: That one, oh, that one drives me nuts.
2: Yes, yeah. He accuses you and he accuses others. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's right. He causes us to jump to the conclusion or to a, a numerous other things, but also tied in with that lies, accuses us and causes us to believe some things that are deep down inside of us. Again, those, those words, those accusations, those, those images, there maybe be that go all the way back to our childhood where we hear the term, you're stupid, you are ugly. You are dumb, you are this or that, or something like that. Those will come back and it will hit a 50 year old person.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it stops us. It it causes us to, it it hits a wound. And so then we will turn and embrace a temptation to kind of, in some ways, drown out that pain.
2: Yeah. You're worthless, you'll say, or, you know, whatever. And, and that's one reason why scripture is so important, you know, that, to be able to say, you know, my Savior gave his life for me. You know, to be able to quote scriptures about how he did it out of love for me. That I can't be worthless if I am worth the life of the Son of God. It's, um, you know, it's just so important that we soak ourselves and our minds in what the scripture affirms for us and in praise of God. Because part of what he'll do is he'll even… The devil accuses God. I mean, that's what he did with Eve. He was basically implying when he said, oh, you won't die, like God said. So he's accusing him of being a liar, um, first of all. He says, but on that day, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Implication, his real motivation is jealousy. He's jealous of you. He's afraid of having you as his rival. And therefore, that's why he told you not to do it. See that he was making accusations against God. and how many times does he do that? We we pray something that's really important to us and things don't turn out the way we hoped and we have to have faith confidence that God heard our prayer but had to answer it a different way from what we'd hoped. But what the devil will come along and say, "See, God either that God isn't there or if you won't believe that, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't have time for you. He thinks you're a whip. He thinks you know, he's not going to answer your prayer. Your prayer is not important or whatever. He will find the way it's most going to connect to whatever pain's already in you and make an accusation against God Himself.
0: From the teachings of Saint Ignatius of Loyola, as found in the Manual for Spiritual Warfare. Note well Lucifer's tricks and the three ordinary degrees of temptation. First, He catches souls by the love of riches next he throws them into the paths of ambition then from ambition to pride a bottomless abyss from which all vices rise as from their font see with what patience and acts of zeal the ministers of lucifer execute the task imposed on them by their master how they make everything lead to the one goal the ruin of souls Defects of the understanding, inclinations of the heart, the character, the passions, the habits, the faults, even the virtues and divine graces. Finally, contemplate the success of hell in its undertaking. How many fools are taken in these snares every day? How many blindly throw themselves in? How many who, not content to allow themselves to be seduced, seek also to seduce their brethren? Look at yourself. Be astonished at having given way so often and so easily to the temptations of the enemy. Weep over your folly and your past weakness and resolve to be wiser and more courageous for the future. Also, that the niggling doubt—that I mean—that's one of those activities that not only does it mm. rail into us, but then it spreads very quickly because our doubt we will will speak it out, and it will cause others to doubt, and it it can be very insipid, can it?
2: Well, it's all you know. Saint Paul talks about being part of the body of Christ, and Sin and one doubt, and one it, it does go out and affect all the others. It's it can be like an infection. St. Paul said a, a little bit of yeast leavens the whole lump, and doubt can be a yeast of that kind the, the bad kind of yeast that goes out and leavens the lump all around us. And other people um, begin to despair, especially those you know closest to us, our family members, especially our children. If they see in us, if they hear words from us of doubting the goodness of God. Oh, that's something they're gonna to have to wrestle with too, because they, they look to us as a model. Um so and again, the devil knows how to he's gonna go after not just you but your children. He knows ways to get at you through your children and to get at your children through you. Um he's very <laughs> He's very oh yeah, I don't wanna say wise, that's not the word. He's he's just very knowledgeable that way.
0: Well, uh, there's a, a common one that can happen to those of who are very faithful. And it can happen on a Sunday morning after you've gone out and and had a big Saturday night doing whatever that might be, going to a football game or just going late to a movie or whatever that, the case is, but you wake, you're laying in bed on Sunday and you think, well, would it really hurt if I didn't go to mass today? I mean, I, I, or maybe I feel bad today. And... Maybe would it be so bad? And then you find the next Sunday the same time. Oh well, maybe it wasn't so bad that I didn't go, and now I can't go. It's those kind of nigglings, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, we define vice and virtue. It's uh, vice is a good, a bad habit, and virtue is a good habit. And and they're little things often in themselves, but if you make a habit of them, that's what shapes the whole soul. I like to speak of virtues and vices as as ruts in the road of the soul. Um, I lived when I was a kid, lived on an old dirt road that would occasionally get graded, but in between the grades, you know, especially with rain, a lot of traffic, it would develop ruts. And the thing about a rut is that if you drive on a road with a rut, uh, it's hard to stay out of the rut because of the incline. Your your tires, you know, your wheels will always kind of slide down into it, even if you're trying to stay out of it. That's a good thing if the rut is a good rut you know if it's a virtue habit because then it makes it easier the next time each time you you do the right thing it makes a rut that's a good rut it makes it easier to follow in that way but if it's a bad rut if it's a vice then it makes it so much harder to stay out of that rut and the enemy knows you know he's he's a consummate psychologist he knows anthropologists. he knows human beings and he knows that if he can tempt us in these little things same way again and again and again eventually there'll be a rut in our soul that we find it very difficult to get out of.
0: You point out in the Manual for Spiritual Warfare that this is the ordinary demonic activity, is through temptation. We have to remember that not all temptation comes directly from Satan and his minions, correct?
2: Yes, it's, um, it's just that he's good at using, you know, we can be tempted by the flesh, <laughs> by, by our own passions and desires and, and other things, um, by the world. But even if he's not directly behind the temptation, he knows how to make good use of it. <laughs> you know, he knows how to amplify it, or he knows how to arrange circumstances in such a way that you're more likely to find it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't want folks you know, to read this book and say, oh, that, so he's saying there's a devil behind every bush. You know, No, um, but there are plenty enough <laughs> of them out there uh, for us to get in trouble. And even if it turns out that the temptation is not directly from the devil, but it's from something else, it's still good to know how to deal with that. And it's good to, to be alert to it and to, to resist it.
0: And that's the beauty of the manual for spiritual warfare, because in it, any of the practices that you engage in, any of the references that you allow yourself to enter into, as far as a spiritual practice of prayer or a discipline, those will help you to navigate in the world as well. It, it just sets you up for a virtue driven life.
2: Yes. And so the, you know, the devil, the world, and the and the flesh, our own passions, those are the three things the scripture talks about that we're battling with, and so it makes us strong for the battle, even if we're not battling directly against the demon. We're battling against the flesh. We're battling against the world. It makes us strong for any of those. It's the same weapons. It's the same armor that we need.
1: A prayer to Mary, Queen of Angels, as found in the manual for spiritual warfare. O queen of angels, bane of devils, the proud spirits of wickedness were humiliated by your perfect humility. The rebellion was scattered by your perfect obedience. Your fiat overthrew Eve's baleful consent to the ancient serpent, crushing his head, exposing his deceits, and healing the wounds inflicted by his venom through the son you conceived, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come to our aid, O lady of victory. When the battle rages, When our strength fails, when the enemy wounds us, when defeat seems certain. With your mantle, cover and protect us. With your bright banner above us, dispel the darkness, so that we may rally again in combat through the invincible power of your Son. Then, when our warfare is complete and our victory won, lead us from the battlefield to his glorious throne, so that we may join you there in a glad song of everlasting triumph. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thigpen. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or download the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com. And join us next time for Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen.